0: thanks for joining in our singing this morning it's with great joy that we can come together as the lord's family and sing songs together and study from his word and have the communion together as we celebrate the resurrection of our wonderful savior from the grave if you will look inside your program there's an outline of our bible study i'd encourage you to take that and follow along with it as we look into the scriptures this morning Newsweek had an article not long ago about a lady, and she had written these words. No matter how bad the pain is, it's never so bad that suicide is the only answer. Suicide doesn't end pain, it only lays it on the broken shoulders of the survivors. And then she continued by saying, By the way, to all the doctors, nurses, and psychiatrists who forced me to live when I didn't want to thank you for keeping breath in my lungs and my heart beating and encouraging hope in me when I didn't have any hope can you imagine a person who is in that situation where they are without hope you and I are people who know what it is to have dreams shattered and hope sometimes not what it is that we would like for it to be I'd like to show you today the story in the Bible about two men who were in that situation. And if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to be reading today from uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 tells us a story about two men who were on the road to Emmaus. They were men who were friends of Jesus. They evidently had been his followers, and they had trusted in him, and they were friends of the twelve apostles, and they were really in the uh, upper level of the friendship of Jesus, and now they find themselves in a sad situation. That is, Jesus is dead. Reading with me, if you will, from Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, we find this reading. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. We see that this is the day that Jesus has been resurrected from the grave. And you might wonder, well, what is Jesus going to do on the day that he's resurrected? And the thing here is that Jesus decided that he's going to take a walk. And uh, there are a couple men who have been friends of his, one whose name is Cleopas, uh, are walking along, and they're talking about the things that have happened in Jerusalem. And if you had just looked at their faces, you could have told the way that they were so filled with gloom and without any hope, and what a sad day it was in their life. What a face can sometimes give. As the uh, Colonies Church was getting ready to begin uh, about 15 years ago, we were meeting in uh, Puckett Elementary School. And we were searching about all kinds of things that we might do in order to grow and expand. And I, I read an article about a, a fellow who had begun a church over in Albuquerque in a mall. And it had had just really good success. And so I thought, you know, maybe that's something we might think about, starting a church in the mall. And so uh, I uh, emailed with the fella, and uh, seemed like a nice guy. And I said, we'd like to come over and visit with you and see what you're doing. And so uh, he said, well, come on over. And we set a time that we we're going to meet at a restaurant and eat lunch together, and then go look at what he had done in the church. Cleotas McNeely uh, and I then spent a few hours driving over to Albuquerque, and we got to the place we were going to meet with him, and he didn't show up. And we waited, and we waited about two hours, and he didn't show up. I said, well, we at least know where the mall is, where he started the church. Maybe we could find some information out there. And we went out to the mall, and uh, where the church was, was noted. But there was no note about where you might contact somebody if you wanted more information. And so we had to make that long trip back from Albuquerque without any results. And I want to tell you, if you'd looked at our faces, you could have told they didn't get what they wanted. They weren't getting what it was that they wanted to get. And as a result, you could just tell it in their face. And so if you had looked at these two men, you would have seen gloom in their face. And how unhappy they were that Jesus Christ had died, and now they were without a Savior. You know, as we uh, read that story, we find that they were walking to Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were walking along, they were undoubtedly discussing the things that had happened about our Lord. And Jesus just walks up and, and he joins them. And the Bible says that they didn't recognize him. Now, it may have been that it was a divinely appointed way that Jesus was kept from knowing, that they were kept from knowing who Jesus was. Uh, but I don't know about that. Uh, it may have simply been that they had seen his death, they had seen his uh, burial, and uh, they certainly weren't expecting him to show up again. Now, have you ever been to a funeral of somebody, and the next day you didn't expect them to show up, did you? Even so, that was the way that these men were. As these men were walking along, Jesus just joined in, and Jesus began walking along with them. And as they were talking, we find that Jesus asked them this question. I'm in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, I mean, they stopped, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Well, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they pleaded. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. He and the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who, was, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women and said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said all in the Scriptures concerning himself. What a a way here that we see Jesus. He is just walking along with these fellows. And as they were going, he said, what were you guys talking about? And the Bible says, and they stopped. What we're talking about, don't you know what the news is? Everybody knows it's about Jesus of Nazareth. and, And what happened to him while he was put upon the cross and crucified. Everybody who's around here knows that. And Jesus, as he went on, he talked to him, and he said this, Let me tell you some things about the Scripture. Didn't you know that the Messiah was going to have to suffer these things? Weren't you aware of what it is that the Scripture says? And the Bible says that he began with Moses and the prophets, and he told him all of the things that were going to happen to him, and what the Scriptures said. Now we don't know exactly what he said, but it may have been, and I would not be surprised if he didn't quote from him genesis three fifteen because that was the very first scripture that told about the Messiah and what was going to happen to him, and that is that when the Messiah came that he was going to be one who was from the seed of a woman, and he was going to bring such destruction upon Satan that it would be like crushing his head, although he would crush the heel of the Messiah. It may have been that that was what he spoke to him. Or it may have been that he quoted to him from Exodus chapter 12, when he told about the Passover lamb that was going to be sacrificed. And over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, we find that Paul said that Jesus was that crucified, pacified, that lamb that was going to be destroyed. Or it may have been that he quoted from uh, Deuteronomy 18 when God said to Moses, And I'm going to raise up another prophet like you. And I'm going to plant my words in him. And so several times when Jesus was teaching, people asked him, Are you that prophet? And I would not doubt also that he did not record from the words of Isaiah chapter 53. When he quoted from the prophet, who says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was his punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. As Jesus went through these prophecies and told them about the things that were going to happen, the men said, Well, you know, we are confused because our women went to the tomb And they did not see Jesus, but they saw an angel. And the angel told them that Jesus was risen from the dead. Did you realize that the very first one who uh, Jesus ever appeared to was a woman, Mary Magdalene, according to Mark chapter 16, verse 9. But evidently he also appeared to these other ladies. And these ladies then went to tell the apostles what they had seen. An angel saying that Jesus was he was risen from the dead and he was alive. But the Bible contains these words. Luke chapter 24, verse 14. But they did not believe the women because their words sounded like nonsense. Oh, you women, you don't know what you're talking about. You can't really expect us to believe that you have seen Jesus alive. We saw him crucified. We know he was killed. But the women were very persistent in saying, Jesus was risen from the dead. If you got your Bible, can begin with me if you will then in Luke 24 at verse 28, where we find this reading concerning our Lord, our wonderful Savior Jesus Christ. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going on farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared before their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? then they got up and returned at once to jerusalem and there they found the eleven among those with them assembled together saying it is true the lord has risen and has appeared to simon then the two told what had happened to them on the way and how jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread i want you to see what it was that happened here jesus was with these men And as they were going along, they got near the end of their journey. You see, they have walked from Jerusalem now to Emmaus, which was seven miles. Now, how long would it take to walk seven miles? Now, if you were going at a fast pace, it would be different than if you were going along, talking and and visiting and getting questions and answers about something. And I suspect that it probably took about three hours for them to make that journey. And as they were getting ready to come into the town, Jesus, the Bible said, acted like he was going to go on. Uh, well, fellas, it's been nice visiting with you, but I'm down the road. Uh, and then they said, no, please stay with us if you will. Well, it's almost evening. Come in, come in. And so, uh, Jesus said, all right, and he went in with them, and he said, you got any food? Uh, yeah, you see, they, they couldn't run down to, uh, the uh, local restaurant and grab something for him to eat because there were very few if any of those in that little sound of Emmaus and so the Bible says that Jesus took bread and he blessed it and then he broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were open, and they realized who it was that it was Jesus and then the Bible says he vanished from their sight now, what I want you to know is, how did they recognize Jesus? Was it uh, some uh, thing that they had over their eyes that were removed? I want to tell you what I think it was. You see, when Jesus took bread, the common way from the Jews was to take the bread like this, and then break it open, and then give it to the person that you were giving it to. And when he would give them the bread, they then were able to see where the scars were that had been where the nails had been driven into him as he was hung upon the cross. And the Bible says that when he gave them the bread, that their eyes were opened. And when they saw that, they understood who this was. That this is Jesus. This is our Lord. This is our Savior who we saw nailed to the cross. And the Bible says that Jesus then vanished from them. Somehow the Lord took him away. How it was, we don't know. But suddenly they were by themselves. And they said, Boy, don't you remember how we felt when he taught us the Scriptures? Don't you remember how our hearts just burned within us when we were listening to the Word of God being explained by our Savior? And I want to just tell you that I am jealous of those fellows. I would love to have heard Jesus as he explained the scriptures to them. But when they saw those nails, they saw where those holes were that the nails had nailed into the cross. Their eyes were open and they recognized it was Jesus. And then he was taken away from them. And the Bible then said that these fellows then made their way to Jerusalem. They said, man, we can't wait any longer. We've got to share this. We've got to tell them what it is we have seen. And they made those seven miles back to Jerusalem. I want to tell you what. They made them back a lot faster than they made them down to Emmaus. I mean, they were excited to get there. And when they got there, they were told that Jesus had risen from the dead. That he had been seen by Simon. And now the amazing thing to me is that you may remember that Simon Peter was the one who had denied Jesus three times. The first person he appeared to was Mary Magdalene and the first one of the apostles that he appeared to was Simon Peter, the one who had uh, denied him. But they said, the Lord is risen, we know it is. And then you know those two fellows from uh, Emmaus uh, Cleopas and his buddy, whoever it was, uh, they couldn't hold it. And he said, that's right. We saw him too. Jesus is alive. Oh, what a statement that was and how excited they were. Let me continue the story If you were, over in the book of John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, we read these words. On the evening of that first day of the week, that is... The same day that Jesus arose. The same day that he had walked down to Emmaus. On that same day we find that the disciples were together. The doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now here these disciples of Jesus are. They are afraid that if people know where they are and who they are. That they are going to do something to them. And so they locked the doors. They didn't want anybody coming in. But then the Bible says. Jesus came and stood among them. Well, how did he get in? Jesus got in by being God. He could be anywhere he wanted to be and do anything he wanted to do. And so the doors were locked, but it didn't stop Jesus. And he came in. And the Bible said, and he said this. He showed them his hands and his side. Now, Jesus had shown his wounds to the two men in Emmaus. And now he says to the apostles, Fellas, look, I want you to see. And he held out his hand so they could see his wounds. And he said, I want you to show you here from the side. And they could see where the spear had been thrust into his side. Now, why did Jesus do this? Jesus did it because he wanted them to know for sure who he was. He was not some ghost. He was not some imposter. This was Jesus Christ, the one who had been nailed to the cross, their Lord, the one that they loved. And then I love verse 20 when the Bible says, And the disciples were overjoyed. I mean, they were so excited that here, the Lord that they had been following, the one they had seen crucified, and now he is alive. He showed them their scars, and now they rejoice that our Lord is alive. I read the story this last week about a lady by the name of Marty Hilburton. Her husband, Porter, was in the Vietnam War, and he was a Navy pilot. And he was gone on his uh, journey in the service when one day some naval officers approached the door. And when they rang the doorbell and she opened the door and saw who it was, she knew the news was not going to be good. And these Navy's officers told her, Marty, we hate to tell you this, but your son was shot down and has died in Vietnam. And she, of course, was just in shock and beside herself, not knowing what to do. And they tried to comfort her the best way they could, and then they left. Eighteen months later, she went to the door again when it had a knock, and there again were the Navy officials. And they said to her, Marty, we have this good news for you. Porter is not dead. He has been captured, and he is in a Vietnamese POW camp, but he is alive and well. She said her joy was such that she just was ready to shout. And then they told her this. But you can't tell anyone. Because if you do, we're afraid that there may be repercussions the other POWs who are in the service in the same prison where he is. And she said she was about to burst. She wanted to tell people. She wanted to let people know that, that Porter was alive. And several days later they came back and said... You can tell it now. We have uh changed his uh situation and we know where he is. And you can tell people. And she said she called everyone that she knew to tell them that her husband who they thought was dead, that he is alive. And that was the disciples here of Jesus. They were so overcome and so thankful that he was alive. But now verse 24 says this. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Thomas wasn't there, but Thomas, we want you to know this. You have been one of the twelve. You've been one of us. We want you to know the Lord is alive. And then the Bible gives us these words concerning that. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, but the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And thus we have him oftentimes referred to as Doubting Thomas. He said, unless I see those nail marks, unless I can put my finger where the nails were, I'm not going to believe. Now the nails that were commonly used were between seven and nine inches long. And as they were driven into a man's hand, actually into his wrist, they would have a small wooden disc that they would drive the nail through and then through his hands lest it somehow might pull out and so the disc would keep the nail from pulling out and the hand from being set free. He said, unless I can see that, I'm not going to believe. Another week passed by and the scripture says, A week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to them, My Lord and my God. Jesus came and he said, Thomas, I heard that uh, you said you're not going to believe unless you can put your finger into the place where the nails were. Stop believing, Thomas. I want you to put your fingers into that nail hole. I want you to put your hand into my side so that you will know that I am who I tell you I am. And Thomas, when he heard that, was so overcome that the greatest confession I believe ever made of Jesus was made by doubting Thomas when he said this, My Lord and my God. What a confession to be made. I'd like for you to make with me today that very same confession. And would you repeat with me these words of Thomas, My Word and my God. Again, my Lord and my God. What a confession that was that Thomas now, along with others, is a believer that Jesus Christ is alive and well, and he showed himself after his resurrection with the nails in his hand. D.L. Moody was one of the all-time great preachers, and he spoke these words. He said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. One day I read in Romans that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. I want to encourage you when you get home to take your Bible and and read the story so that you will have faith and know that God is who he said he was. That Jesus is God. And that he showed it by his resurrection from the grave. Let me give you a verse to take home with you tonight. Give you a verse that uh, you can put it on your ice box. Because it is so good. 1 Corinthians 6.14 By his power God raised the Lord from the dead. And he will raise us also. Even as Jesus came out of that tomb alive. So it is that when we die, that's not the end, but we too will be raised, and as children of God, the family of God, we can be with our Lord forever and ever. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, we are stirred this morning as we think about these two men that you shared with them the Scriptures. And their hearts, dear God, were burning as you let them know that you were the fulfillment of all that had been written by Moses and the prophets. I pray, dear Father, that we too can be people of faith and that we will know, dear God, that that death is not the end for us, but that we have eternity to look forward to, dear God, when we are with you. Dear Father, we are so thankful to you for Jesus, that he was willing to die on that cross and be buried and then to be raised anew. Dear God, may we trust you and love you and serve you all the days of our life. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. Maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church family. If that's your desire, we would just welcome you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, I'd like to confess my faith and be baptized into Christ. Everything's in readiness if you'd like to do that. Or maybe you'd like to have one of our elders pray with you about a matter. I'll be at the front and they'll be at the back. And if we can serve you in any way. If you'd like to come, will not you do it right now as we just stand and sing our song of
1: invitation together. There is coming a day When no heartache shall come No No more clouds in the sky No more tears tears to dim the eye All is is peace peace forevermore forevermore. On that happy golden shore shore. What What a a day, day, glorious glorious day day That that will be be. What What a day. day that will be when my jesus i shall see and i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land what a day glorious day that will be